Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is Will Mavity's interview with Gotham-nominated actor for the film Blackberry, Glenn Howerton. Yeah, what can I do for you? Okay, picture a cell phone and an email machine all in one thing. There is a free wireless internet signal all across North America, and nobody has figured out how to use it. It's like the Force. Sorry, have you seen Star Wars? No. That sounds great to me. That's like- <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. Okay. Well, um, unfortunately, I think the the side I write for would be a little pissed if I was like, okay, we didn't talk about the movie, but you will never guess what Glenn Howerton's opinions on Pink Floyd are. It would be better if you were just like, they fucking suck. And then we uh, we get a little clickbait headline about like, yeah. Glenn Howerton hates good music. You are not going to hear that from me. Pink Floyd is my favorite band of all time. Okay, well, okay, well, at the bare minimum, we know you're a man of good taste. Okay, so what we are here to talk about is your performance in the 2005 film Serenity, in which you play the guy who gets, like, tackled and eaten by the Reavers. I was looking up your background, and I was like, oh, shit, I, I know exactly who this is. That's, uh... I, you know, I've done a lot of stuff, you know, where I, I just, I have, like, friends in the industry where I just you know, go and do like a little thing for it with, because I just like working with friends. It's just really fun. Yeah. And Marina Baccarin and I went to, went to college together and uh, we've been good friends for many, many years. And she was, she had obviously done Firefly and they were doing the movie and, you know, she, I guess there was this little part in the, in the movie and she was like, Hey Joss, we should have my friend Glenn play this. And he was like, yeah, sure. I know that guy. Um, so yeah, that's, that's how that happened. Well, that's cool. My experience has been that people that work on like really intense dramas, when they go home at night, they consume comedy. Like, yeah, they can't like you can't work on like a really serious drama all day long uh, and then go home and watch serious drama. I think they just want to laugh. Um, whereas yeah. like I'm the opposite. I work on comedy all day long. And then the last thing I want to do when I go home is watch comedy. I watch like the most serious dramas. So there's this really fun thing that happens where like I'm a fan of like this really big drama showrunner and then i find out that they're a fan and it, it's it's really cool yeah okay so i mean that's obviously the perfect transition because everything i've seen you do is extremely funny and then while you know the the character you're playing is there's a lot of comedy to be had it's a downright scary performance at times so tell me about just going to that place and becoming a borderline sociopath for this yeah well you know look uh, um my approach to this was 
in some ways is similar on on everything, which is that, you know, I take it very I take the work very seriously, whether it's a drama or a comedy. However, you know, I, I do think that there's little clicks of the dial that you can mess with when you're doing a straight up comedy to kind of mess with the rhythm of the line or the intonation of the line or the the little pauses and the things like that that I think for me comedy is very musical um mm -hmm. so there's a musicality to it and a rhythm to it that I'm I've just I'm very keyed into uh and um you know I wasn't doing any of that for for Blackberry but I think you know Matt's a funny guy the script was funny in its own way sometimes I think extreme people doing extreme things just is inherently funny. You don't have to do anything to make it funny. You know, I think Jay's character is more inherently funny insofar as like he's a little bit nervous and quirky and, you know, and then my character when he's funny is maybe funny in ways that are not entirely dissimilar to the Dennis character. However, Rather than playing someone who thinks he's smart, I was actually playing someone who who was smart. Yeah. Way. Well, so, okay. Big transformation question. I remember I read some review and they were like, uh, Glenn Howerton's bald wig sucks. And then someone was like, no, you idiot. He actually shaved his head. Tell me about the experience of genuinely taking the step to do a physical transformation like that and going bald for, what, four months? Yeah, enough. No, not four months. It was two months, though. It, it was a little over two months. Um, it was it was wonderful, man. Like, honestly, I I was really excited to do it. I mean, you know, any actor knows that uh, you're already one step removed from the character because you're not that person. Um, so the closer you can uh, cl closer you can come to being that person, the, the easier it is to give the right performance. And I mean, there's no denying the fact that walking around as a as a bald man i just felt different um yeah frankly I, I took myself more seriously uh i felt more i don't know i felt like more of an adult i think in some ways mm -hmm. i still even though i'm in my 40s i still feel like i'm in my 20s sometimes or or like and not that i actually i don't know it's it's hard to explain i i, I still think of myself as young and youthful yeah and, uh, you know, my kids, by the way, remind me all the time that I'm so not, you know, like, <laughs> so old, dude. <laughs> but just walking around with like a really nice Harry Rosen suit on and a Harvard ring and a gold Rolex watch and and a, having a bald pate, it just it just immediately made me feel like a different person. So it was quite helpful. Um, and frankly, I I grew to really like the look um, almost immediately. <laughs> I, I I know there was something about it that I really liked. Um, it felt very like masculine. So are you just consistently like rocking suits everywhere you go now? Just like showing up in a Armani suit or something? Oh, no, God, no. I don't like I don't like I mean, I like I like putting on a suit for a special occasion, um, you know, certainly. But uh, it's not my it's not my thing. I, I I'm, I'm quite grateful that I that I don't have to have a job that requires me to wear a suit all the time. But it was really good for this because even just the routine that I would go through every morning of shaving the head, going through makeup, and then going to my trailer to uh, put on the suit, the just the act of putting on the wardrobe and the rings and the jewelry almost became, you know, like, I mean, it's literally putting on the costume of the character. So 
it 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 became a, a sort of a crucial step to um becoming the man transforming a little bit into jim did you ever consider playing jim with a canadian accent i considered it initially i found that in the little bit of video footage that i could find about jim uh he did have an accent but it wasn't extreme and in talking to matt johnson about it we both were just felt like it wasn't necessary. I only had about a month to prepare. Uh, it was actually a little bit less than a month to prepare for this. And I felt like I, I know myself and I know that I would have had a tendency to get really caught up in that part of things. And mm. it, would, it would have possibly detracted from the other things that I was working on. I think maybe if I'd had, um, you know, another month to work on it so that I, it, 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 I could work on it to the point where it was, I was, I could do it subconsciously instead of having to actually think about it. Uh, it would have, I would have considered it, but Matt and I both just agreed it, it was just an unnecessary thing for this. Yeah. Well, so one thing I guess that you kind of became with the character is they describe you early on in the film as a shark and you do have that vibe. It's really notable in particular, you have this stare that you can do. There's a scene where you're watching hockey and um, you get called on the phone. You don't even blink. And he's just like, hey, we would like to accept your offer. And just like, okay. And then hang up the phone. Uh, talk to me about channeling kind of that sharp vibe, you know, everything with your eyes, this unblinking stare, this just look of malice almost. Well, you know, I'm a big believer in really just knowing what the what the character's thoughts are, what they're, what they're thinking. You know, it's it's really kind of like in a lot of ways, really kind of boring, basic kind of actory kind of stuff uh, where, you know, you have to know what the engine is that drives the human being that you're playing overall. Just what is the thing that drives this person? What is, what are they, what are they after? What do they want? Um, and then moment to moment, knowing how they're trying to achieve that want in, in that moment. Um, and then just really like thinking the thoughts. I mean, I, I think some of my favorite actors that I've watched you can tell that it doesn't feel like they're acting. It just feels like they're thinking the thoughts and fighting for what it is that they want for the, the, the what the character wants. And, and then the, the expressions will follow because you're actually doing it. Um, but I mean, it, it really comes down to being able to really go there in the same way that we all did when we were kids and we were playing in the sandbox, it's just taking it very, it's like, you know, I think the the only difference between me and some of my friends when we were playing soldiers in the backyard was that I was taking it maybe a little bit more seriously than they were. Uh, <laughs> you know, my character had a name and a background. No, <laughs> um, but uh, but but it's 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 play for me. But it's knowing what it's knowing what the thoughts are, knowing what's going through the person's head, and just trusting that if I'm thinking those thoughts, uh, that it'll that it'll show up on my face. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. 
Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, and there was uh, there's one other specific moment that I think you already know what I'm going to ask you. Um, the scene with the the NHL board where you you melt down and you shout this line from apparently some viral video from like 10 years ago where it's like, I'm from Waterloo where the vampires hang out. Was that improv? Like what, how did that come to be? No, it was so not improv quite the opposite. Actually. Uh, it had been in the script from the, from the very beginning. And uh, I asked Matt, I was like, what is this? What is this line? And he goes, Oh, <laughs> it's really funny, man. It's from this like, internet video that I saw and he just, he loved it and he put it in the movie. And then he showed me the video and I realized that I had seen that video myself mm-hmm. a couple of years earlier and I'd remembered it. I was like, oh, right, I've seen this. And I was like, okay, that's great, Matt. But what does it mean in the context of this scene? <laughs> uh, to Matt's credit, he was like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't really know. Um, <laughs> and I was... You know, my feeling was, and I've, 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 I've had a couple things like this happen to me on things that I've done where I thought, like, I can't, I don't like this, and I, I don't want to do it. It feels broad, or it feels too big, or it doesn't make sense, and I, it just feels like I'm pushing for something. So I kind of had it in the back of my mind that I was going to cut that line um, or ask Matt to cut it. But when we got there on the day to film it, I just thought it just kind of hit me as I was working on the scene. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and try to explain what it mean, what he means when he says it exactly, but that it did mean something. I'll put it that hmm. way. I wasn't sure if it was going to work, but I just kind of went for it. And I knew after the first take that whatever it was, it, it had worked. And uh, the you know they were kind of loving it behind the monitor. So um, <laughs> I'll actually ask Matt what take that was, because it came out pretty intense, even on the first take. But it's a it's a it's a peculiar line for sure. <laughs> I'm glad we didn't cut it though, because people are loving that line for sure. Yeah, no, for sure. I feel like if you do end up getting nominated for an Oscar, I feel like when they're showing the supporting actor clips, that's gonna be the moment that they would show. <laughs> yeah, that very well may be true. Yeah. I do think we're getting close to the end, but I was curious, you mentioned Matt a lot, and it's you're both people who kind of you have feet in all three worlds. Both of you have written, directed, and acted pretty extensively. So what is that like kind of being on the the receiving end of someone where you are not the writer here, you're not directing anything. I mean, you are just at the mercy of another actor-director. Yeah, gosh, I tell you what, I love it. If the script is not great and the director doesn't know what he's doing, uh, my tendency as a, as a filmmaker, as a writer, producer, director is to fill that void and and start kind of taking over a little bit. But with somebody like Matt, he's just so talented. He knows exactly what he's doing. Um, but he's also highly collaborative. So he was always open to all of all of our ideas. And he has the same attitude. And Jay is the same way. Uh, Jay Baruchel, um it, it is the same way. Uh, highly collaborative. Best idea wins always whatever the best idea is that we collectively decide that that's, that's what we go with. And I, I have no ego about it. I don't care if it's my idea, Matt's idea, Jay's idea, Matt Miller's idea. It could be an extra having an idea. If it's a good idea, you know, it's a good, a good idea is a good idea. So I don't care where it comes from. Um, so 
it was great to be able to defer to somebody and actually not have to be in charge and just be able to focus on the one thing, which is, you know, giving the performance that I was trying to give and not have to also be thinking about, you know, what it's going to look like in the edit and all the other things that I'm used to concerning myself with. Yeah. Did you hear from the real Jim Balsley about your performance? You know, did you interact with him before or after at all? Uh, we made a conscious decision not to uh, meet any of the characters from the film prior to filming because we didn't want to feel any sort of allegiance towards them. We wanted our allegiances to be to the material. But but I did meet Jim at the Toronto premiere and he was very gracious and very kind. I, I have read, I think, in a few interviews that he that he really enjoyed the film and I know he enjoyed it. He, he was very happy after he saw the, he had seen it once before and then he went to the Toronto premiere and actually sat through it with an audience. And I think he saw the way the audience reacted and saw that he wasn't, I think maybe he thought he was the villain of the film hmm. when he did by himself, but when he watched it with an audience, he, he audience, I think he realized that he was both villain and protagonist, but mostly yeah. protagonist. and that people were rooting for him. They were, they were cheering for him. Um, and they, they understood why he did what he did. Um, you know, but I do think that that he probably, if you ask him, he would say, I think I had a, I wasn't quite that intense and maybe had a little bit more of a sense of humor. Uh, yeah. I think I was maybe slightly more well-liked amongst the people that uh, were at the company <laughs> than I was portrayed in the film, but he really enjoyed the film and he was, and he was very kind about it. And, and we didn't talk that much specifically about my performance, but, um, but he was just an absolutely lovely guy, very charming. So you, uh, you know, you've mostly done TV, and I think this is this is probably your first kind of leading role on in a film. Would you say? I did this college humor movie about ten years ago called Coffee Town, but uh, but yeah, I mean, in in a lot of ways, yes, that is true. So have you started thinking about what's next? What kind of feature roles you'd be interested in playing? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at material. I mean, obviously it's, it's a little bit, uh, we're a little bit limited right now since the actor strike. <laughs> okay. I, I don't even know if I can ask you this question right now. Then No, I, there's, there's, you know, if I'm getting scripts from, from people that I know or sources that I, as long as it's not coming from something that's set up through yeah. uh, a struck company, uh, you know, I can read material. I'm, I'm developing some stuff. Uh, I'm trying to figure out what I want to do next. I mean, I, I do know that, uh, I, I'm always uh, aching to do things different than what I've done prior. Um, not to say that I won't do more comedy. I'll, I'll always do comedy. I, I love comedy, but um, I'm definitely looking to branch out. Uh, I definitely consider myself a little bit more of a character actor than a than a leading man actor. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, it's the it's all it'll all be driven by the material. I'm I'm just waiting to find the right material, but. Um, you know, I'm 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 always looking to surprise and subvert people's expectations. That's always my my goal with anything that I do. And then the last question I have is, uh, how does it feel to be looking at awards websites and see your name listed alongside contenders like Robert Downey Jr. for Oppenheimer and Mark Ruffalo for Poor Things? You know, like you're in the top ten in a lot of people's predictions alongside. Uh, some pretty huge names how does yeah. that feel to be part of that experience i'm 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 frankly i'm waiting for ashton kutcher to jump out and you know tell me that i'm being punked uh it's as you said i i haven't had a lot of large film roles so and film really is different the, than television and and it requires a different way of working and you have to 
you know, whereas with a TV character, you get episode after episode to build the character and get more comfortable with it. Whereas with a film, you have to step onto it day one. And so it takes a certain amount of preparation. And I haven't had a lot of experience with that, frankly. Um, I have more experience with theater than I do with that. And so it's been it's been quite affirming. Um, you know, I do have a process, uh, but you never know what's going to work and what's not going to work. So it's it's been it's been nice. It's it's been an affirmation for me for sure. Um, and you know, having worked in this industry pretty consistently for a little over twenty years, uh, it's um, again, it's just it's just an affirmation that I'm doing something right. Um, <laughs> see, uh, but it, it's it's also a little bit surreal. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Glenn. Um, you know, really cool to see you, uh, you know, to see you crushing it in the film world now so much, too, and to see you getting so much acclaim for this. So thank you so much for taking the time to chat. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be sure to tell everyone that you hate Pink Floyd and that you've just been <laughs> It's the only thing that we're going to take away from this interview. So <laughs> all right, man. Uh, no, I appreciate it, man. Thank you for the kind words. Uh, yeah, it's been been lovely speaking with you. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to Will Mavity's interview with one of the stars from the film Blackberry, Gotham Award-nominated actor Glenn Howerton here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Blackberry is up for your consideration in all eligible categories, including Best Supporting Actor for Glenn Howerton, and is widely available now to rent and own from IFC Films. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you all so much for listening, as always, and we will see you all next time. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon.